So if they can just hang with it for a couple of sessions, then they can really see the results. A lot of my clients say that the dogs and cats feel better within 24 hours after the appointment. Welcome to Dog Cancer Answers, where we help you help your dog with cancer. Here's your host, James Jacobson. Hi there. Welcome to the show. Today, we are getting into a prickly subject, acupuncture. Sorry for the pun. If you haven't heard about acupuncture and how it applies to dogs with cancer, you will love today's veterinary guest. But before we get into it, I want to thank today's sponsor, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide. This number one best-selling book is the definitive guide to help you navigate your dog cancer journey. It's available wherever fine books are sold and online at dogcancerbook.com. So joining us today is Dr. Tori Kauner, founder of The Balanced Pet Vet. She studied at Georgetown University and received her DVM from Kansas State University. But today... We're going to dive into the veterinary acupuncture that she studied at the Qi Institute of Traditional Chinese Medicine. Cancer treatments often entail highly invasive procedures that can seem to lower quality of life. But Dr. Kautner teams up with veterinary oncologists with some non-invasive options. She aims to raise the quality of life through a combination of acupuncture, Western medicine, natural health, preventative care, lifestyle changes, and nutrition. On today's show, we'll be discussing that and more. Dr. Kautner, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. So you are in Southern California. Yes. And that is where you practice medicine. But you had an interesting pre-career before you started in veterinary medicine. Yes, I was in the art world. I worked in a gallery and I worked in a museum for a few years before deciding to follow my passion to become a veterinarian. Do you think that Balanced Pet Vet has sort of the full spectrum approach in part because of your background in the arts? Possibly. I love looking at the whole picture. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a very visual person. So if a dog comes in for an ear infection, I want to look at the whole dog. I want to see, well, what's causing it? I don't want to just treat the ear infection. Is there something underlying? Can we prevent this ahead of time? So how can we look at the whole picture and even what goes on at home, the environment, travel, stressors, you know, new babies, moving, all of that. So yeah, looking at the whole picture and trying to get a sense of where it all begins, essentially. And you focus a lot on quality of life. And I would imagine as an extension of that, that's why you see so many dogs who have cancer. Are you the one diagnosing it or do they come to you after they have a diagnosis? They come to me after they have a diagnosis. I basically come in and supplement their regular DVMs or their specialist kind of protocol um, or overall health. So once I see patients with cancer, they're usually pretty far progressed. They have a diagnosis. They've either been through chemotherapy or radiation or a lot of osteosarcomas, you know, bone cancers. They have just gone through an amputation or if they're not a good candidate for amputation, they come to me with what else can we do? How can we manage their pain? How can we give them the best quality of life with the little time that they have left. And so you're being referred to from their oncologists and their general practice. Exactly. And so what are some of the tools that you rely on? The main tool that I rely on is acupuncture. I love acupuncture. I get it on myself. I really think it helps with balancing the body system. So that's kind of my main tool that I have. And I also have a cold laser therapy machine 
that can be used in most cases. Um, there are a couple of cancers or a couple of issues that we want to stay away from laser, but that's a tool that I use for decreasing inflammation, helping circulation, easing muscle tension. So those are my main two. And also talking about nutrition, lifestyle. So when I go into people's homes, I do mobile consults. I look around and if there are a set of stairs or slippery floors or the food and water bowls need to be raised, we talk about small lifestyle changes that can be done in the home to help the pet. Supplements are great, you know, nutrition, and also helping the owners. Sometimes they just want to talk about the hardships that they're going through and trying to care for their pet who has this diagnosis of cancer and and helping hold their hand essentially and just being there for them. So is your entire practice mobile? It is about 75% mobile, 25% in clinic. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about some of these different modalities. Acupuncture. Well, I'm going to guess, but it's probably not something they taught K-State. They did not. They did not. So I went to the Chi Institute and did a six-month program. So that was really exciting just to learn a totally new way of looking at the animal and helping the animal. So these are obviously very much, I imagine, the same acupuncture needles that one would use for a human, which mm-hmm. are really, really small. And I've had acupuncture. It doesn't hurt that much. You do feel it, though. You do feel it, yeah. So what I do is kind of pinch the skin and pinch the fur or just kind of scratch it a little bit so that they're aware that I'm about to touch that area. Mm -hmm. And then I place a needle. Sometimes they don't feel it, but if they do, it's usually just a split second and then they relax. I do that with each point. I kind of just manipulate and put pressure on that point before I insert a needle. How do the dogs cope? So a lot of them, I have to say a lot of my golden retrievers and labs, they absolutely love it. But then the rest of my patients, they, they all react differently. So the biggest question I get is how do the animals stay still for acupuncture? And half of them do and half of them don't. So what I try and do is, you know, once I kind of have my plan in place and the different points along the meridians that I want to place some needles And I'll place about five. Get into the meridian piece for a moment, because Mm -hmm. I think that's something, if you're not familiar with acupuncture, is like, huh, meridians? What's that? (laughs) So yeah, in Chinese medicine, there are channels or meridians along the body that correspond to certain organ systems. So when I went to the Qi Institute, we learned the meridians. And along those meridians or channels, there are certain points that correspond to, again, you know, specific organs or ailments, like I was saying before, pain points, appetite stimulant, relaxation, that type of thing. Well, I was going to ask, so how many, I'm sorry, but how many meridians are there in a dog? In the dog, it's the same as humans. And the ones that I use, there's about 12 to 14 channels or meridians. And along those, there could be like anything from like 20 to like 60 points along those channels. But dogs are so different in size. And I mean, I understand conceptually, but a Maltese's meridians are going to be way different than a Golden's meridians. How do you find them? You know, once you, and I show a lot of clients in person because once they figure out, oh, okay, this bony prominence of the knee in a Great Dane, you're going to go a couple like finger lengths below it to find a point. But in a Maltese, it might just be a little bit of a hairline. So you really are looking for the bony landmarks, you know, hips, knees, vertebrae are really easy to count. So the vertebrae along the back, you can feel those in the majority of dogs and you can really 
pinpoint the same point on every dog, whether it's a Great Dane or a Chihuahua. You know, just like we have elbows, Chihuahuas have elbows, Great Danes do. They're all different sizes. But once you kind of feel those bony landmarks, you can get a sense of where those points are. Is there a sense that you are actually feeling on an energetic level, the meridians, or is it basically you're looking for those landmarks and you just scale it for the size of the dog? Or is it a combination? When I first started out, you know, as a young vet, I definitely was like, okay, this is what the book tells me to do. Logical, this is where it goes. So here's the, you know, condo, the elbow I'm feeling at this point. So it must be right there. But now, since I've been doing this for a long time, I can't quite explain it, but I can sense where they're going to be sensitive. But I think that a lot of people will say that it just kind of comes intuitively. So how many needles might you place in a... Again, it depends. And probably 10 to 15. And again, the range is usually 5 to 25. But in most patients, I'll do 10 to 15. I don't want to overwhelm their system, especially if they are first-time patients of mine or they have just gone through chemotherapy or radiation. You really can get the job you know, what you need to do with five well-placed needles. And how long do they stay in? Ideally, they should stay in for 20 minutes. I try and push it to 30 minutes, but there are a couple of dogs that they wag their tail and, you know, knock off some needles. They shake and needles go flying. So as long as you place the needle and you kind of see what we call a day chi response. So sometimes the hair is kind of fluff up a little, but as long as you place that needle, get that tiny response, then, you know, you've done something. When I was at the Chi Institute, they said that cats will just kind of fling the needles out very quickly. And as long as you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as long as you press that point and get that needle in that point, then you're at least doing something. How do you keep them still? Are they restrained? Or are they just looking at you? Or are they getting treats? Or how do you do that? A little bit of both. Like I said, usually my lab or golden patients, they will just sit on, you know, their their dog bed or the couch or their favorite spot. I always work where they're most comfortable. So the majority of the time I'm sitting on the floor in an awkward position and they're the ones that are super comfortable and they'll just lay in their beds. Um, a good trick is putting peanut butter or pureed pumpkin on a flat plate and freezing it. And so they'll just lick that the whole time. Other times they're just kind of happy to be around me. Or if the owner is there, you know, we just kind of hang out with the dog and the dogs can stand up. You know, most of the time the needles do stay in. If they shake, some needles go flying. So I always like to do it in a smaller room. And sometimes without the owners there, the dogs behave a little bit better. Is there a lot of eye contact during the process between you and the dog? If they're laying down, I'm usually walking around them. But they'll kind of like look back if there's a needle that, you know, causes a reaction like a tingling or uh, or something. And so once I place all the needles, I usually just go up and pet their head or just make sure that they're comfortable, maybe do a little bit of massage, twist some of the needles that I think are super important. And I also use laser therapy at that time, which is that cold laser therapy. And that I find is what really, really relaxes a lot of my patients. So what's the cold laser therapy? What does that look like? Laser therapy uses photons or light to basically activate or excite cells. It's called cold laser therapy, but it is kind of warm to the touch that... But is it a gun? I mean, paint the picture for us. It's a probe 
like I'm holding a probe, but I use a non-contact bulb. So it basically, I hold it about an inch or two away from the patient. The machine will calculate, okay, well, for the size and the coat and the area, um, this is the amount of energy that we need to output in order to emit photons to the cells. The cells and the mitochondria basically pick up that photon energy. They give off ATP, which in turn increases healing. It helps decrease inflammation. It helps decrease pain. And it also just helps in general. I believe it helps really relax the muscles because the muscles get so tight around those areas of concern. So we can do that with the laser therapy machine and a little bit of massage as well. And then you do that after you put the needles in. So they're getting a little bit of both, or do you just sometimes just do one or the other modality? So yeah, I place the needles. And then once the needles are in there, I do the laser therapy while they still have the needles in because I think it helps relax them. And also there's a finite amount of time that dogs want to sit there, you know, so I have a good window of 30 to 60 minutes. And how many treatments generally on average would you do? So starting off, I definitely recommend at least three to four treatments because it really builds upon itself. And then from there, it's case by case. For severe cases, again, if they've just had a severe diagnosis or chemotherapy or radiation, I usually say once a week. And then once they start to feel a little bit better, you know, every other week, a lot of my clients want to keep it weekly, but my goal is to get your dog to feel better so that I see you once a month. But a lot of people, they see the results and see how happy and their dog's quality of life increase. And so they like to keep me at once a week. Do the dogs generally smile or a little happy when they see you coming in the door? They do. One of my first clients, she was this black lab that had uh, hip dysplasia, elbow arthritis, um, hemangiosarcoma, and she used to run away from me. But by like the eighth time, she was so excited that I was there. <laughs> and I remember just like tearing up when she came to the door, wagging her tail and so that was an indicator that she trusted me. She felt good and she was super happy. It's like a spa treatment. It's like the <laughs> massage therapist coming to the door with their table, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so that was, that was just really great to see, you know, and she did besides the fact that she was moving better and, you know, she lasted about three years after her hemangiosarcoma diagnosis, which was a huge win for us and the owners. And so it was just so nice to see that she was super happy and that's all I want for my patients. That's wonderful to hear. Now seems like a good time for a break, but when we come back, let's discuss some other techniques that you recommend. Today's episode of Dog Cancer Answers is brought to you by the best-selling animal health book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide, full-spectrum treatments to optimize your dog's life quality and longevity by Dr. Damian Dressler and Dr. Susan Ettinger, an oncologist in New York. And in a minute, I will tell you how to get their book at a discount. We hope that this show is opening your eyes to some of the vast resources for dog cancer treatment. But so many options can be a little overwhelming. So what's the most efficient way to learn proven options from veterinarians you can trust? Well, of course, it's the book. Doctors Dressler and Ettinger wrote the Dog Cancer Survival Guide with exactly this in mind. They want you to have the best tools at your disposal for fighting your dog's cancer. 
They cover the big five steps of cancer care, conventional treatments, nutraceuticals, supplements, diet, and mind, body, and life quality strategies that you can do at home that are fun for your dog. As a dad to a dog with cancer, I can tell you that having this book on the bookshelf is an invaluable reference to me. The Dog Cancer Survival Guide is available wherever fine books are sold, both online and in physical bookstores, and you can support this podcast by using a coupon code and getting the Dog Cancer Survival Guide right away direct from the publisher. It's available as a paperback or as an ebook, and the ebook is under $10. The website to get either of those books is dogcancerbook.com, and you can save 10% if you use the promo code PODCAST. When you check out, you'll save 10%. The website again, dogcancerbook.com, and use the promo code PODCAST for 10% off. That is www.dogcancerbook.com. And we're back. Now, let's move a little bit away from the physical things you do to some of the things that you recommend nutrition-wise and supplement-wise. Yeah, nutrition-wise, when dogs are going through cancer treatment, my main goal is to just get nutrition in them. So it's going to be um, decreasing their nausea, increasing their appetite. So how can we do that in terms of what's their favorite food? How can we give them good nutrition? So just talking with the clients about that. I love whole real food from the ground, from mother nature, but that's not always possible with clients. So how can we do that? Incorporating steamed veggies and fruits, lean meats into their kibble just getting those good nutrients to help with their nutrition, immune system, help them fight off this cancer. That's that's my main goal. You use MCT and CBD. That's a lot of letters. Yes, it depends on the patient. Okay. And so I am loving CBD as long as there is a quality product that my clients are using. I think it's great for inflammation, anxiety. A lot of these dogs that don't feel well, or they've had chemotherapy or radiation, or their life has changed and how they feel because of this cancer diagnosis, they get anxiety from it. They don't know what's going on. And so they're just a little bit more on edge. So CBD really helps with that. I think there's some studies coming out that it helps with cognition or brain health as they get older. So that's really important. MCT is great, again, for cognition, brain health, There's a lot of great studies out there for dogs with seizures that MCT oil helps a lot. Let's talk a little bit about the people. I imagine in Southern California, you have all kinds of people who are drawn to the full spectrum approach that you dispense. But I imagine sometimes maybe like a couple might not totally agree. Do you ever find it like, you know, the husband feels one way and the the wife feels the other? Oh, definitely. I've definitely had differences of opinion from, yes, family members, you know, some that absolutely believe in acupuncture and laser therapy and changing up the nutrition in that same family, they, they don't believe in it. I have had that, you know, those family members come around after they say, oh yeah, like they went up the stairs, which they haven't done in months or, you know, they went after a ball. No, it wasn't fast, but they were happy enough and pain-free enough and excited enough to chase after a ball. So I usually win over the skeptical clients. But yeah, I mean, even when I was going through vet school, not that I didn't believe in it, but I just thought there was no place in it for veterinary medicine. So I love that my mind has been changed and that I can use both and that I can educate people. That's 
that's super important to me to educate people on. Yes, there is another option besides either, you know, letting your animal go or just having a terrible quality of life for the last month of their life. Any tips or suggestions for listeners who might be in a relationship where they and their partner disagree about the best approach to help overcome the doubting Thomases? Yeah, I definitely think talking to your veterinarian or talking to, like you said, a full spectrum veterinarian to discuss what are the expectations, what are the outcomes, how can acupuncture, laser therapy, or just small tweaks in their daily lives, how can that change and improve their dog's quality of life? I think having an open dialogue and communication. And also a lot of my clients are from word of mouth. And so talk to friends that have had acupuncture on their dogs and they'll tell you and they'll, you know, explain what the process was, what the timeline was and get a little bit more education or a good reference on how acupuncture, these other alternative therapies can really help their dogs. So I think having firsthand experience or word of mouth is great. And also acupuncture, like you, it's supposed to balance the body. There's no harm done. You can't overbalance the body. So I tell owners like worst case scenario is that nothing happens. So I think that's kind of a relief of like, it's a non-invasive procedure Worst case scenario, nothing comes of it. So that will get them to try it at least a couple of times. Dr. Tori Kantner from The Balanced Pet Vet. Folks want to get in touch with you. What's the best way? Yeah, um, I'm on social media and my website is Balanced Pet Vet, balancedpetvet.com. You can email me at info at balancedpetvet.com and reach out. I would love to help educate anyone on questions they may have about their animals. Dr. Tori, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Wow, wasn't she great? Cancer treatment often involves the hard-hitting stuff like chemotherapy and amputation. But Dr. Tori shines a light on the rest of the picture. Sometimes you as the pet parent can work wonders by simply re-evaluating your dog's lifestyle. And what a relief to consider the non-invasive options like acupuncture and cold laser therapy. We can address our dog's quality of life by coming at it from these different angles. Many of them could help, and they probably won't hurt. Those touchstones remind me to remind you that our veterinarians are on call at our listener line. If you have a question for a dog cancer vet, please call our listener line and record your question. We will pose it to one of our veterinary experts and your question and the answer will appear on a future episode of Dog Cancer Answers. The telephone number is 808-868-3200 or visit our website at dogcanceranswers.com. Also, if you like our show, please rate us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Share us on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. Please help spread the word about this podcast because we want to help as many dog lovers as possible. And your likes and shares and ratings really do help keep us motivated and help us spread the word. Also, if you want to reach out to us, please visit our website. We have tons of additional information to help you navigate dog cancer. The website address, dogcanceranswers.com. 
We want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, the Dog Cancer Survival Guide book by Dr. Damian Dressler and Dr. Sue Ettinger. The book is available wherever fine books are sold, both online and in physical bookstores. And remember, if you would like to help support this podcast, get the book today direct from the publisher, Maui Media. The website again, dogcancerbook.com and use the promo code podcast for 10% off. That is www.dogcancerbook.com. Finally, I'd like to thank Dr. Tori Kautner for being our guest today. You can reach her at her website, thebalancedpetvet.com. Until next time, I'm James Jacobson from all of us here at Dog Cancer Answers and Dog Podcast Network. I wish you and your dog a warm aloha. Thank you for listening to Dog Cancer Answers. If you'd like to connect, please visit our website at dogcanceranswers.com or call our listener line at 808-868-3200. And here's a friendly reminder that you probably already know. This podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not meant to take the place of the advice you receive from your dog's veterinarian. Only veterinarians who examine your dog can give you veterinary advice or diagnose your dog's medical condition. Your reliance on the information you hear on this podcast is solely at your own risk. If your dog has a specific health problem, contact your veterinarian. Also, please keep in mind that veterinary information can change rapidly. Therefore, some information may be out of date. Dog Cancer Answers is a presentation of Maui Media in association with Dog Podcast Network. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.